1844, Samuel Morse sent the first message on a telegraph, saying, What hath God wrought? Today, people can communicate instantly on cell phones and unlock them with Face ID. Moreover, in 1808, the first Model T car was driven with a max speed of 45 miles per hour. Today, the fastest cars can exceed speeds of 250 miles per hour. Sadly enough, however, our education system hasn't changed. For the past few centuries, students have sat in classrooms and were lectured about literature, math, etc. The same exact situation is present today. But why? Why hasn't anything changed? I'm Grant Tebow, a senior student at Christian Brothers College High School in St. Louis, Missouri. For my AP English class, I was tasked with finding a problem I was passionate about and advocating for it through the use of a multimodal project such as this podcast. I chose our current education system, specifically problems with the standard curriculum and the potential of project-based learning. I heavily researched the topic and interviewed a couple teachers. Here's what I found. So my main focus for this project was how we can change the current education system to um, have a better curriculum that allows for more project-based learning. And I bring up the idea of project-based learning because of the uh, extensive benefits of it. Um, You know, over the past decade or so, it's a real, it's a really small amount of evidence of, you know, how it's worked, the benefits of it, um, the effects of it. Um, But what has been gathered... um, it showed that it's excellent for learning. Um, and before I go far, uh, too far into it, it's important to note that while project-based learning can't be used to teach basic skills such as reading or writing, um, these skills can be demonstrated through project-based learning. So, for example, if a you know kindergarten student is learning how to read, they can read a book, read a children's book in front of the class. Or for writing, they could write you know a small children's story or a, or a description of a picture or something like that. Um, so I'm going to read from the book, the project-based learning handbook, and it's from the Buck Institute for Education. It says teachers report that project-based learning overcomes the dichotomy between knowledge and thinking, helping students to both know and do. And I find the skill stream extremely important, um, especially in today's, you know, job economy. Um, you know, this job students, the job current student, the jobs current students will have in the future don't even exist yet. So it's really important that these students are able to you know, gather information and know how to use it in a dynamic matter. Um, next, it says it supports students in learning and practicing skills and problem solving, communication and self-management. And it encourages the development of habits of mind associated with lifelong learning, civic responsibility, and personal or career success. It integrates curriculum areas, thematic instruction, and community issues. Project-based learning assesses performance on content and skills using criteria similar to those in the work world, thus encouraging accountability, goal-setting, and improved performance. It creates positive communication and collaborative relationships among diverse groups of students. It meets the needs of learners with varying skill levels and learning styles. And finally, it engages and motivates bored or indifferent students. So really, um, project-based learning can, at the same time, prepare students for their for a successful future um, and teach them the information in a way that they're going to retain it much better. Um, and I think, you know, both of these show that um, project-based learning is extremely beneficial because, um, you know, students are going to be ready for life. They're going to be ready to take on intellectual challenges. 
They're going to be ready for you know new new jobs, new challenges that um, their jobs give them, um, which I think is extremely beneficial. So what one of these projects would look like, um, first it would include the, um, the teacher teaching the students the information and then having them use the information they learned to create something that um, demonstrates their thorough understanding of the knowledge and the material. So for example, in a business class, a student might write a business plan or in an environmental science class, uh, the student or the class might go and test water samples from nearby ponds or streams or creeks or, you know, what bodies of water for, you know, various bacteria or in an English class, um, a student could write a poem in the same rhetoric and language that say, you know, Emily Dickinson would write in or anything really similar to this. Um, you know, projects like these would show that the students get the material um, and they're not even they're not only going to have a you know more enjoyable and memorable learning experience. They're going to retain the information much better than they would with just, you know, teaching the students the information, um, which I think is extremely beneficial because, you know, the stu- if the students have fun while doing it, they're going to remember it more because they're going to have more of an emotional attachment to it. So I think that is um, a great benefit of project-based learning. Um, you know, as for the curriculum, the best way to implement um, project-based learning into a school's curriculum would be through the idea of mastery learning. So both of the both of the teachers I interview go into this in much more detail. Um, but basically, you know, mastery learning is a student mastering one general topic, for example, like science or math or whatever, and then just having the core in um, the rest of the um, traditional school topics. So, for example, a kid who's really interested in the sciences and the STEM field could, you know, master per se in. Um, or chemistry or physics, um, they take, you know, four classes, four math classes, um, you know, a couple of engineering classes, you know, stuff like that. And then they'll just take a couple English classes and history classes, um, so that they can, you know, like get those credits and ha- be knowledgeable in those areas, but they'll be ex- significantly more knowledgeable in the area they're mastering in. So I think that, um, you know, personally, that would be one of the better, um, one of the better ways to implement project-based learning because that's how they would do it. That's how they would learn how to do, especially in the, within their master. That's how they would learn. That's how they would demonstrate that they understand the, um, you know, the material, and they can, you know, really get into it much more they could in a tra- uh, in a traditional school setting. Um, and finally, before. Talking about my first interview, um, I need to touch on the idea of traditional learning. Um, you know, project-based learning is, as I said, extremely beneficial. Um, you know, the evidence shows it. Um, teachers say it. Teachers advocate for it strongly. But even with all that, uh, some aspects of traditional uh, learning, you know, lecture style, um, students are in rows, they take notes, teacher talks all class, um, a small amount of that is still necessary in project-based learning because, like I said earlier, the student, a kindergarten student needs to learn to read before they read in front of the class. Um, so, you know, project-based learning is excellent, great benefits, um, really is better for the students, but there still needs to be some teaching in there um, so that the student gets the information, they know it, and then they can show that they know it through a project. Um, and so with that, I'll get to my first interview with Mr. Craig Nicoletti. 
So unfortunately, I was unable to record my interview with Mr. Nicoletti, but I took notes and here's some of the main points that he made. So the big, his biggest focus um, was on innovating curriculum so that more project-based learning could be implemented. He said the best way to do this would be through a master education system. So um, he related this to a pie chart and that as the students, um, this curriculum would be you know, um, shaped around a pie chart, and the biggest chunk of the pie um, would be the student, the classes a student is mastering in. So, for example, um, a kid who's really interested in the STEM fields, the biggest chunk of their classes would be in the science and math departments, and then you know all their other classes would be distributed around the rest of the pie chart. Um, this would allow the students to give you get a you know a general education of all of the um, areas of study, but really hone in and master their skill. Um, but the, even how great of a program this would be, it, there would be uh, you know, some struggle implementing it um, simply because there's you know, both sides um, of the spectrum are pulling on it. Because for example, so kids, you know, incoming freshmen, you know, they're asking about, you know, AP test scores, a- ACT test scores um, to gauge their interest on the school and, you know, see how successful the students have done. Um, and on the other side, colleges, um, you know, still require certain um, credits and courses. So, for example, Stanford requires four years of English, four years of math, three years of history and science and foreign language. So if you immediately changed you know, a mastery education system, you know, both sides would be, you know, kind of struggling to accept it because simply because of their requirements. Um, and their, you know, even though mastery education is more beneficial for the student, it's not really how the system works. Um, so, you know, the main, uh, you know, my main goal is, you know, trying to change that and make, make schools aware that, um, you know, that this education system is better for a student, would be better for a student. And that's really what Mr. Nicoletti was conveying through um, um, our, my interview with him. Um, as for the teaching part of it, he really advocates for a compliance, engagement, and empowerment model. So, for example, compliance would be teaching the students, you know, lecturing, the students taking notes. And then you go to engagement, which would be small in-class projects and, you know, discussions, stuff like that to, you know, get the student more um, engaged with the information and the material of the class. Um, but a side note here, Mr. Nicoletti said that he has no trouble getting kids, kids engaged with the information in this step, but he doesn't really know if they're truly learning it. And that's where empowerment comes in. Um, and empowerment would be students doing something to demonstrate their knowledge of the topic. Um, so an example Mr. Nicoletti brought up of the system would be um, The Great Gatsby. So compl- the compliance part of it would be reading the book, passing a quiz on the plot, characters, that kind of stuff. Engagement would be you know discussing and getting into the themes, the character development, etc., stuff like that. Um, Finally, empowerment would be writing a great Gatsby story so that the student can show that they know what's going on in the book and they can replicate that information to create, you know, for example, a chapter of their own. Um, so as for his, Mr. Nicoletti's experience in classes, he teaches AP U.S. History, AP Psychology in a class called American Experience, which is a combination of uh, honors, hist- honors U.S. History and Honors English for juniors at CBC. Um, 
so his biggest struggle in his teaching is in his AP classes and that he has to cover all of the material on the test and he really gets stuck at the engagement part of um you know the system. He can't with his AP classes he can't really go into empowerment as much because he has to prepare the students for the test. Um as for as for the American experience class, um in his opinion um the the kids in that class retain the information better because they get to do more projects, they have more time to dig into into the material and do more things that where they can demonstrate their knowledge of the material um which i thought was really interesting um because that should be you know the main focus for education and that the students you know retain the information better they know it rather than just using it to pass a test um you know personally i've had him in class i had him for ap us history um and he you know used these techniques techniques um he tried to implement project based learning the best he could but more often than not, we really only got to the engagement part because we, you know, as soon as we were done learning something, we had to move on to the next topic, um, which I really thought was, you know, kind of a kind of disappointing um, because it's not Mr. Nicoletti's fault. But he, you know, he was his hand was hands were tied behind his back. He, you know, he had to his main goal, of the class and our main goal was to get a four or five on the um you know, the AP test rather than, you know, knowing the information and learning it, which I think is a really, is a real problem with the current system that we have. Um, in one way, Mr. Nicoletti is actually trying to change this is through, um, the honors program. So he was given the task, um, to change the honor system and, you know, make it better. And each, in the previous system, the seniors had to do a senior project. Um, and this year, all the seniors in the honors program, including myself, um, they were we were tasked to help him you know design a new system um and so we meet um once a month um and have like a pretty long discussion about you know what needs to be changed and you know his main goal of the system is to you know get a master education system in you know in place for the honors kids and eventually it'll be brought down through that throughout the whole school um you know this is it's it's I mean, it's pretty logical that this is going to help the students because it's going to help them retain the information more and also prepare them for life after school. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's really trying his best to implement these ideas in school and that where students can, you know, have a more, a full learning experience rather than just, you know, focusing on tests and, you know, just learning the information to pass the test and then immediately, immediately forgetting um, so next um, is another one, is another interview with one of my teachers, um, Mr. Hankin. Um, he actually said a lot of things similar to what Mr. Nicoletti said. So take a listen. I'm here with Mr. Joseph Hankin. Mr. Hankin, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. Joe Hankin is my name. I teach uh, AP Physics. I teach Engineering, and I help run the CBC STEM Academy. All right, so first question, how have you implemented project-based learning in your classes? So my engineering class is basically all projects, um, one after the other. Um, it's a little harder in AP classes because there's a list of content that you have to cover. Um, I'm still working on that one. Um, it's not set up the same way, but for the most part, um, discovery is how my engineering class is set up. Awesome. 
So what, what have you done for the AP classes to um, try to implement more projects into it? So the labs that I like to do are not as what we would call cookbook sometimes as, you know, in other words, I don't, there's not always a right answer. Um, you don't necessarily say, you know, calculate this and then do this and then find this and then everybody should end up with the same answer. Um, a lot of them are more open-ended, like when you took the class and we did the things shooting through the hoops and yeah. stuff like that, right? Yeah. Everybody had something slightly different, right? Yeah. And so there's this, as Nicoletti would say, there's this transfer of learning. So you take what, what you're learning, but then you apply it into new and unique situations. Yeah, for sure. Is there one specific project that you think had the greatest, like, I guess, learning impact on students? And could you, like, explain the project? Uh, probably not in physics. Uh, a, a good project takes a lot of, of time, and teachers have to stand back and let students kind of run. And in AP, that's just not really an option. Yeah, um, for sure. you, you, there's, you have to cover certain things, and you have to get so far and everything. But uh, one of my favorite projects is in engineering. Um, we spend a lot of time on the engineering design process, and um, there are different ways to accomplish the engineering design process. One of them that is very common to students is called waterfall, and it's just it's kind of like a checklist. You do one, then you do the next one, then you do the next one, and you do the next one, and that's kind of what students think of as engineering. A lot of planning up front, and then and then success at the end. But what we see now in engineering is more and more things are agile in nature. So it's about being able to change with new ideas and um, changing requirements. So one of the things we do is a project where I ask them to design an egg dropper to, to keep an egg. And I give them a certain, I give, give them a table full of stuff. So they all figure out exactly what they're going to build. But what I don't tell them is that they have to auction off the stuff, so they they may not get what they want. Mm -hmm. So as they're kind of buying and auctioning off and buying what's on the table, some of the things are really obvious, you know, like um, a box that can hold an egg or something might be really obvious. Some things aren't so obvious. So a lot of the same people want a lot of the same pieces, but only one team can get it. Yeah. So what happens is they have this plan in mind, but as these pieces start to go to other teams, they have to roll with the changes and on the fly figure out how to, okay, well, we can't get that, so what if we bought this instead and plugged it in? So um, it's, it's kind of an activity, but, uh, but there's a lot of room for kind of project-based ideals. Yeah, and it, I guess it, it like makes students become creative with what they have. That's exactly right. So, yeah. so a true project-based learning is... is is not an activity, right? So an activity can support project-based learning, but a project-based learning, and I'm sure Mr. Nicolay gave you the stuff from BIE, right? Yeah. There's a list of stuff that it has to, to make it authentic. Um, you know, authentic, uh, authenticity is one of them. Authenticity and voice, students have to be able to pick what they want to do, voice and choice. Um, it has to be open-ended, it has to be deep inquiry. There's a kind of a list of things. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it's hard to implement PBL, uh, For sure. so that's one of the reasons it's not a, it's not a turnkey, it's not a swi switch you flip. Hmm. It's like a process over time. It's definitely a process. Yeah. So even, 
even if you like like me, I'm fully bought into it as as a great pedagogical technique. But it's hard to develop a good project. It takes time and yeah, it takes it takes iteration, right? You got to try it, fix it, and then reflect on it, and all those things. Yeah. So next question: um, Do you think, from your experience, do students perform better or worse with more people? Like, for example, in your engineering class. Do the students, I guess, are they able to retain the information better oh, yeah. or worse than an AP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I would argue that even in my class, I, I would argue that when you took my class, you didn't have to do a lot of studying, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. as we went, we did a lot of the same kind of, we didn't do projects, but a lot of the same kind of learning happened. Yeah. And as you go, you learn it, and then there's nothing to study because you already know, kind of know it. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, it sticks with you, and it's mm-hmm. not it's not regurgitated, it's not memorized. Okay. Yeah. So next, in your opinion, um, what are the benefits of implementing more and more project based learning? The the benefits yeah. are numerous. So we live in a society that is constantly changing, and in in when I was young, people were valuable for what they knew, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I knew certain th- facts and I knew certain information and I knew how this th- particular thing worked and that particular thing worked and that's what made me valuable. But now with the, with the internet and everybody's got cell phone, right? Yeah. So everybody can know pretty much everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, sure. There's no limit to what people can know. Um, I could pull out an f- app on my phone right now that could solve pretty much any calculus problem that is done in calculus mm-hmm. right now um, or any sure. physics problem. It would solve it for me. There's no, there's no need to limit resources, right? We live in a, in a world full of resources. So our teaching needs to reflect that because our kids are not going to be asked to solve uh, you know, integrals by hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're going to be asked to, how can we devise an integral that will solve this problem, right? So it's about problem solving. It's about creativity. It's about critical thinking. It's about lear- uh, learning to live with mistakes it's about iteration, so I made a mistake. That doesn't mean uh, I'm dumb or it's wrong. That just tells me, okay, what do I have to change for next time, right? So these are all kind of learning tenets that we are looking for in class. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's what project-based learning is. It, it's a much more realistic, authentic, um, how things really happen in the real world. Yeah, when I was talking with uh, Mr. Nicoletti, he said, um, and I, this is an exact quote, but he said, there's not going to be really many history problem solvers or English prob- problem solvers, yeah. and that's why the STEM fields are doing so well. Yeah. Because it's just so so much pro- like solving the problems. Yeah, creativity, critical thinking, right, evaluating evidence. Um, and as a STEM guy, I would say, I would almost push it back on him, and I would say, it's not about being a STEM guy. It's about approaching everything you do with STEM principles, right? For sure. You can still approach an English paper through a design process, through design thinking. You can still, you know, iterate uh, your ideas and reflect on your ideas on in history, right? So it's not that STEM fields are the end-all, be-all to me. It's that the ideas that drive STEM can be and should be applied in all areas. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now the opposite of that, are there, what downsides are there of implementing more of it? So any? it depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. 
um, as a teacher who is responsible for a bunch of kids passing an AP test, um, there's only one way to do that, and that is to what we would call drill and kill, right? Yeah, for sure. We just gotta we gotta show them how to do it. We gotta make them practice it so they can do it on the test. Um, I know that's not great learning, mm. but that's the that's the hand that I'm dealt, and that's what a lot of our parents and uh, students want. Mm. Um, so the downside would be, if I'm going to teach project-based learning, I think the depth of learning is much, much better. And it not only can teach physics, but it can teach the things like creativity and problem solving that we talk about all the time. However, it does not position you for the traditional standards of uh, measurement that we have, like grades mm -hmm. and um, and ACT and AP tests, right? Standardized tests. So if you're preparing for, for PBL, if you're preparing for life, your traditional measures tend to suffer a little bit. Yeah, now, sure. I think there are ways around that. I think if I, if I could teach PBL, and again, it's a process. As I get better and better at teaching PBL, I think even then, AP and, and, and standardized tests could be as good, if not better. That's a process, right? Mm. So we'll see. Um, so is there a downside? Time, right? Yeah, for sure. Depth and breadth. Mm. As a teacher, the downside is implementing project-based learning is probably easier if you do a lot of work up front. Yeah. So, in other words, when I teach traditionally, I only have to be a day or two ahead, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've done it enough times, I kind of know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't have to have a long, deeply thought out long-term plan because that's already kind of in place. Mm. So I just have to be a day or two ahead. But for project-based learning, you basically need your entire project design up front. Yeah, for sure. Um, once it starts, it goes by real easy because the kids are leading most of it. Mm -hmm. But I have to make sure that my design of my project is in place, it is sound, it drives the students into the right places where I want them to go, and then I just stay out of their way. And it's kind of like something you said when I was giving tour guides. You said in the uh, Area 52, you, you said um, something something to the um, idea of, like, you just give the kids the resources and then let them go, yeah. like, change the world. So uh, we, uh, that's kind of the mantra of our department is um, remove the roadblocks, support is needed, but mostly stay out of the way. Yeah. Right? Sure. And, and that's kind of the tenet of project-based learning is... I don't, in traditional education, I would tell you what is important. This is important, you need to know this, this is, you need to know this. In project-based learning, I put you in real life situations where what's important emerges from what you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So for instance, one of the projects I'm developing for next year, um, when we do uh, graphs, kinematic graphs, um, stoplight timing is all based on accelerations and velocities and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm developing that now. And I won't start with the graphs, because a lot of times we see these things called dessert projects that are basically kind of the way a lot of projects happen. Is where I teach you everything I want you to know, and then we look at a way that we can apply that in the, in the real world. That's kind of opposite of what we really want. What we really want is we want to present the problem that uncovers for the student a need to know what I want him to know. Mm -hmm. So. In other words, so I would present you a problem with, let's time these stoplights, let's get these stoplights moving so we have good traffic flow. 
I think we'll probably end up using a traffic simulator and then kids will realize, okay, if that's going to happen, I need to know what the average speed of traffic is. I need to know what a comfortable acceleration rate is. I need to know how hard people are braking. And those are all things like acceleration and, and, and uh, velocity and all those things we learned in kinematics, right? So mm -hmm. the problem generates the need to know. The kids discover that need to know, and then that's what makes it authentic. Yeah, for sure. I get what you're saying. Um, so, kind of moving on to different like focus, I guess. I was talking with uh, Mr. Nicoletti. He was talking about uh, project-based learning. He talked about the idea of like mastery and relating to curriculum, and you know, taking the basic minimums of your uh, of I guess areas of topic that are less interesting to you, and just mastering. Um, you know, for example. Uh, science kid could master physics or chemistry or whatever they're truly interested. What's your opinion of that? About mastery learning? So it's not necessarily that it's less interesting. So mastery learning is more about skills, right? Mm -hmm. So you took my class last year and yep. you did very well in it. If I were to give you the final exam that you took last year, how do you think you'd do? Not well. Yeah, not right? Well, yeah. Because what you learned was not... I don't say learn the right way, but it was, we played the game, right? Yeah, it was learn just for the test. Exactly, yeah. right? And that's not mastery. Yeah. So, so mastery is a different kind of approach, and project-based learning helps that because you're learning things because they matter, and when they matter, you learn them the right way. Mm -hmm. um, if I ask you to... Uh, um, and you have certain skills that you've developed in your life that you can do, like driving a car. Mm. You don't get in your car and have to think about, oh, I got to turn this and I got to turn that. You just it just comes to you. Yeah, it's a habit. It's yeah. it's like like a habit almost, yeah. right? It's it's something you've mastered, mm. and that's kind of what we're we're trying to set up is projects that enable students to demonstrate that they've mastered these kinds of skills, as opposed to cram, test, forget. Yeah, and uh, Nicoletti, or Mr. Nicoletti actually uh, spoke to that, like, when students come to our school to visit, they come asking about, like, the ACT and the uh, yeah. AP scores, um, and that's kind of where society has focused their yeah. energy on more. So, so one of the problems that we face in secondary education and high school level is what we're preparing you for in... in I was gonna say what people, what what our what our clients, what our parents, what our students, what society, what the media thinks high schools are for, is college. Mm -hmm. College is the end all be all. We got to get you into college. We got to have you succeed in college, and and that's so that's kind of misguided in a way, because what we're seeing is colleges are kind of missing the mark. They're teaching skills that industries don't need, that don't want. Yeah. What we see, what we're seeing now happening is that in industry, industries are really hurting for people because the people that are coming out of traditional college programs are not ready to go into the workforce. In other words, they have to be hired and then trained instead of being trained to do what they need to do in college, right? Mm. So, so right now, in my opinion, colleges are not looking at the right things. The problem is the people that are matriculating through middle school and junior highs don't really understand that. Mm -hmm. So they're still looking for those traditional measures. And it's those traditional measures that get you into college. I would argue it that 
those traditional measures don't prepare you for life, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is this is the kind of the way I've explained it. So, you baseball fan, yep. right? Yep. So you know what uh, uh, Moneyball, what uh, Sabermetrics is, yep. right? Yep. So it's a whole bunch of different statistics that people that people who know. They know what to look at. Oh, how many walks, hits, whatever, this, this, all these different really complicated metrics, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is old people like me still think it's all, oh, your batting average is really important. Your win-loss record is really important, right? Yeah. So as kind of, a, kind of somebody who doesn't, isn't in on the no, all those things on the surface seem really important. If I'm gonna hire, if I'm gonna give a ten year contract, you better have a high batting average. You better have a good win loss record. Yeah. Even though that's not what the people who really know baseball are looking at. If you would ask uh, Mr. Horn about what makes a good hitter, he would talk about spin rate and and angle and everything else. He would never talk about batting average. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the people that really know what's going on deep down are looking at a completely different set of ideas. Right, mm, yep. and that's kind of the way education is. The people that really know are not looking at ACT and and GPA. They're looking at mastery. They're looking at um, you know skill based stuff. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, there's this whole segment of the population that doesn't understand that, and they're still looking at those original metrics, those batting averages, and the win loss record. Yeah, yeah. So so we are kind of forced. We are kind of forced into preparing kids for college. Because the kids that we're trying to appeal to are are still trying to play that game. It is our job until colleges change, which there's a movement afoot, right? Yeah. You've seen more and more schools going away from ACT. Yeah. You've seen, you know, not taking AP, um, things like that. You see a lot of high schools now that are more progressive that are getting rid of AP tests altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there is a movement there, but it's our job to kind of kind of hybridize the approach. In other words, we want to maximize everything that you think you need. At the same time, we're giving you what we think you need. Mm. And I think before, um, or, um, like before colleges really change that, I don't think schools can, because at least every school I've applied to requires, I know, four years of English. Yep. Um, so until they change, like we, we're kind of limited. No, that's exactly change. right. Right. Yeah. So sure. it's a question of the kind of like chicken or the egg. Who's going to blink first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we could do more project-based learning. It's hard to, it's hard to, put that into college, and the people that are coming into us, right? So who's going to blink first? Are grade schools going to start? providing students that are into that mode and understand that there's more to life than GPA? Are, are high schools going to make that, that jump where they teach kids the right way for life? Or are colleges going to come to the realization that what we're asking for admissions is not what we need for success in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something's got to happen. Um, th- there is a movement. There are a lot of good books. There are a lot of good, you know, there are a lot of strong voices that are, are, are p- preaching this change, right? And that's why we have things at our school like this Innovation Commons, right? It's because it's not about doing the same things we've always done better. It's about doing better things, right? Yeah. 
So the most interesting thing I got them from this interview was that Mr. Hankin actually said a lot of similar things as Mr. Nicoletti. Um, for example, he brought up the mastery system. Um, you know, like Mr. Nicoletti, he uses project-based learning in his classrooms and is a big advocate for it. Um, you know, he brought up the point that colleges and incoming students are both kind of pulling on opposite ropes and that um, they're not really willing to change so that project-based learning and, you know, a mastery system can be implemented. Um so with hearing all this, hearing two, you know, uh, project-based learning advocates and, you know, get people who use it in their classrooms um, speak about the topic. Um, after, you know, hearing the um, information that I, that I presented earlier in this podcast, um, I want to propose a plan that I think is the best possible way for the future of education. Um, so it'll be a master program, like the same as Mr. Nicoletti and Mr. Hankins said, Um there's going to be project-based learning in every class. Um, you know, the teacher will teach the material as thoroughly but as quickly as they can and then set the students off to do a related project that allows them to show the teacher that they, they do know and understand the um, the material. Um, the teacher will be there for assistance and help with whatever the student might need. Um, but it'll be really be a student-directed and student-motivated class. Um, you know, especially heading into the future, I think this is extremely beneficial for the student. Um, you know, like 50% of the jobs um, that this generation will have don't exist today. So it's becoming increasingly important that the students know um, how to use the information that they know rather than just knowing the information. Um and, you know, this program in the system of education um, will be extremely beneficial for everyone across the education spectrum. Um, you know, the students are going to retain the information more. They're going to be better prepared for their futures. Students are going to, or teachers are going to have more fun teaching it. Students are going to have more fun learning it, and thus they're going to, you know, learn it um, in a more efficient and effective way than they would with just, you know, sitting in a room taking notes while a teacher lectures about a certain topic. Um you know, with all this, hopefully colleges are going to begin to adapt to accepting this model um, of education as well. Um, and, you know, um, some are already taking the first steps steps to doing so. Um, you know, for example, as of this year, the University of Chicago doesn't require an AC, doesn't require an ACT or SAT score on their application. Um, I think this is a great first step for them because if we are able to eliminate the standardized tests, um, not not eliminate them, but eliminate the requirement of taking them and studying for them, then we'll be able to implement more project-based learning and more of a mastery system into education, which, like I've already you know shown, it's going to be extremely beneficial for the student, um, which really should be the main goal of education. Um, so to any school administrator or teacher listening to this, um, I encourage that you strongly consider um, starting this trend at your school. Um, it's obviously going to be, you know, extremely beneficial for the students. Um, the teachers are going to enjoy their jobs more. And if they enjoy them more, they'll be better at their jobs. Um, and overall, it's just a better system than what, um, you know, most schools have now. So I'd strongly um, encourage you to, um, you know, act on this. And I hope that you'll take in my advice and the information that I've presented you and use it to take positive forward thinking action. I'm Grant Tebow. Thanks for listening.